Well, good morning, everyone. You know, uh, Mondays tend to get a pretty bad rap. Um, and I know it's, it's the beginning of a work week, and so we have a lot of reasons maybe to uh, give Mondays a bad rap. Uh, we sometimes talk about having a case of the Mondays, this obviously fictitious disorder where you know, we're maybe tired or irritable or distracted. Well, not me. I love Mondays because they're my day off. I get to sleep in a bit. I get to ease into the day with a cup of coffee, uh, maybe a good book. If it's nice outside, I, I go for a hike often, or maybe I'll just spend the afternoon hanging out with a friend. It's usually one of my favorite days of the week, but not always. For instance, a couple Mondays ago, I found myself having a really hard time. I was distracted by social media, yet I had a whole stack of books that I hadn't read yet. I kept meaning to go outside, but somehow I never found the time or the energy to do so. I felt bored, listless, and a bit anxious. Why am I feeling this way? Why can't I seem to get out of this funk? Maybe I should phone a friend, but I don't really feel like it. At times like these, it's as if we're caught in, in what I would say is like a centripetal force where all our thoughts and feelings keep us turned in on ourselves, which only seems to add to the sense of emotional or social isolation that we might be feeling. It's kind of a negative feedback loop, if you will. It's depressing, I know. <laughs> well, the next day, a friend of mine shared an article with me entitled, Asedia, the lost name for the emotion we're all feeling right now. Now, the title immediately caught my eye because of this strange word, asedia. It's not a word you come across that often, if ever. But I had actually come across it in grad school when studying monastic theology. It turns out the desert mothers and fathers, third century Christians who left the cities to live in the wilderness so they could devote themselves to prayer, struggled with an experience that they often referred to as asedia, or sometimes they simply called it the noonday demon. Well, acedia is a really hard word to define. It literally means lack of interest or care, and it's been described as mental apathy or spiritual apathy that include things like listlessness and, and even the desire to isolate. And it can be accompanied by a lot of grumbling and complaining. Well, the early Christian writings that describe this emotion seem to have fit my experience that Monday to a T. Turns out I'm not alone in feeling this way sometimes, and you aren't either. In fact, the article made the case that due to the increase in social isolation this past year, similar to the kind of isolation that monastics often experienced, many of us suffer from this. Whether we call it a perpetual case of the Mondays, the noonday demon, or acedia, we all have experiences like this where this complex set of emotions keeps us turned in on ourselves, damaging our mindset, and resulting in things sometimes like listlessness or even loneliness. But I believe that there's a path out. As you may have guessed, since we're in this series called Wired for Gratitude, it has something to do with gratitude, and we're going to dig into that in just a bit. So why don't you join with me in prayer? God, we thank you that we uh, know your presence uh, in each place that we find ourselves in now. Uh, each of the homes that are represented as people tune into this, I pray that 
each one of us would know deeply your grace, your peace, your presence within us. Uh, we pray for your blessing on the reading of the scriptures this morning. And Holy Spirit, we ask that, that um, our hearts and minds would be available for whatever you want to do within us and through us, we pray in your holy name. Amen. One of the most famous uh, prayers in the scriptures is the prayer that Jesus taught his first disciples when they asked, Jesus, how should we pray? And I believe that at the very center of that prayer stands a very revolutionary petition that I think also provides a few clues as to our path out of that uh, emotion of acedia. So I want to read, uh, this is Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. Jesus says this, he says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Well, the petition that stands at the very center of this prayer is what we find in verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. Now, there's a story behind this petition. Uh, it would surely have evoked a particular memory in Jesus' disciples. It's a tradition that's been passed down from generation to generation. For nearly 1,400 years, the story was told. It's the story of the Exodus. In particular, this petition, give us today our daily bread, would have evoked that part of the story that is sometimes referred to as the wilderness wanderings. You see, their ancestors had to make a journey through the wilderness before they could get to the promised land. It was a journey of liberation and freedom. They had been set free from, from slavery in Egypt where they had been dehumanized and exploited by their Egyptian slave owners. But it wasn't just a journey of liberation. It was also a journey of formation. They had to learn a new normal, as we've been talking about a lot this past year, you know, a new way to exist in this world. All they knew was forced obligation. You make bricks all day in the hot sun and we'll feed you. You stop making bricks and we'll beat you. And this is all they ever knew. A closed system of fulfilling quotas for their masters. And now here they are and they're totally free. And that freedom must have tasted so incredibly sweet. That is until they realized that they were in the desert without much of any kind of food source. So it's not long before the community starts to grumble and complain, and we get a taste of this in Exodus chapter 16, verse 3, where uh, it says this, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you, Moses have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Somebody's got the case of the Mondays, right? The noonday demon has reared its ugly head. Well, how, how does God respond to all this? Does God slam them for being uh, ungrateful degenerates? No. Instead, they experience God's grace through the gift of a substance called manna. 
It would later be described as bread from heaven because it miraculously appeared for them each and every day. In fact, they couldn't store this bread overnight. If they tried to hoard any of it, gathering more than they needed, it would just spoil. It would be useless. Therefore, they had to rely on their, quote-unquote, daily bread. Bread that was given for that day and that day only. See, I would argue that this was a very formational experience for them. It taught them that freedom doesn't mean complete independence. In fact, complete independence is an illusion. As Pat talked about two weeks ago, we live in a gifted universe. There is no such thing as a self-made man or woman. We are utterly dependent on a myriad of seen and unseen factors for the most basic necessities of life, let alone those things that lead to human flourishing and success. Again, remember what Pat said two weeks ago, grace begets gratitude. Grace gives rise to gratitude. Gratitude is the result of seeing uh, that reality overflows with grace. It's all gift. See, the Hebrews didn't have to fulfill any kind of brick-making quotas for God to receive the manna. They didn't have to meet any kind of divine obligation. No, God said to Moses, in fact, in Exodus 16:4, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Think about the rain. You can't do anything about whether it's going to rain. If it's going to rain, it's going to rain. It's sheer indiscriminate grace. Well, here's the thing. If grace begets gratitude, well, that got me thinking, what does gratitude beget? What does gratitude then give rise to? Well, I'm convinced that gratitude helps us see ourselves as a part of a larger interconnected whole. Gratitude takes us beyond ourselves and awakens us to a profound awareness of our interdependence. See, I think there's a real link between our being wired for gratitude and our being wired for community. The two go hand in hand. Because here's the funny thing about gratitude. It always comes with a preposition. We are grateful for something. We are grateful to someone. And we are often grateful with others. Gratitude cannot occur in isolation. Even when you're completely alone, prepositions show up. So uh, imagine that you need to get away for a weekend, and your friend loans you their cabin on a lake. It's the off-season. You're all alone. One morning, you wake up, and and you walk along the water's edge, and the sun is is just starting to rise, and and the colors shimmer off the waves of the lake uh, in different colors like pink and and, and blue and silver. It's unlike anything you've seen uh, maybe ever if not for a very long time. And all of a sudden, your heart begins to open up. You're grateful for the beautiful sunrise. You're grateful to your friend for loaning you the cabin. You're grateful with the various manifestations of nature that are all around you, such as the birds who seem to be singing their own chorus of gratitude. See, no matter how isolated it may have seemed, gratitude takes us beyond ourselves to see how much we are dependent on mutually shared gifts. 
We are connected to nature. We are connected to our distant friend. The sun and the lake offer their gifts as they always do, but still we pause to say thank you to them, to say thank you to our friend, to say thank you to God who sustains it all. There on the shore of that lake, gifts are given and received, praise is returned, and a new awareness of connection comes alive. As Diane Butler Bass, who, who wrote the book Grateful, says, when it comes to gratitude, me always leads to we. When it comes to gratitude, me always leads to we. This is why I believe Jesus' teaching on prayer is so important. The petition, give us today our daily bread, is not just a prayer for provision. I believe it's also a reminder of our utter dependence on these myriad of gifts that we rely on each and every day. So, for instance, take a simple piece of bread. Do we realize how dependent we are on a multitude of factors that make this bread possible? If you look closely at a piece of bread, you can see some of the many connections that were necessary. How many people were involved in the production and in the selling of this bread? All those in the grocery store, all those in the chain of distribution, those involved in the production, the farmers who grew the wheat, uh, not to mention all the other ingredients that go into that one loaf of bread. And we can go even further. The farmer who grew the wheat was dependent on the soil and the sun and the rain and all the natural resources that go into growing wheat. When you really stop to think about it, our daily bread is pretty darn miraculous, even if it's just bread. See, recognizing all this gift, all this grace, not only leads to gratitude, but our gratitude by its very nature leads us to a profound awareness of our connection with God, our connection with others, and with the rest of this good creation. See, when it comes to gratitude, me always leads to we. And I believe that not surprisingly, this can help those of us who are feeling emotionally and socially isolated to break out of that acedia and defeat the noonday demon. See, researchers note that that social connection is a basic human need. Your brain assumes that regular contact with others is normal, which is why feelings of loneliness are a, stress, are a source of stress, not just emotionally, but also physically. When you experience meaningful connections with others, it's, it's pleasurable. It activates a big nerve that runs down the center of our bodies called the vagus nerve, which when stimulated can reduce things like stress, anger, even inflammation. So think of the warm, joyful feeling you get when you're experiencing love or having fun with others. You know, it starts in your belly and begins to rush up through your chest. This is your vagus nerve lighting up. Well, here's the thing. When gratitude reminds us of our meaningful connections, uh, even simply thinking of and appreciating those connections can activate your vagus nerve causing you to literally feel the cold grip of acedia begin to melt away. So let's, let's, let's just take a moment and try it right now. Close your eyes and take a deep breath 
from your belly. And I want you to think of a time that you were grateful for somebody. Maybe it was something that they did for you or with you, an experience that you had with them. But let a moment with someone that you appreciate that causes thanks to rise up. Just reimagine that experience. Reimagine how it caused you to feel. Can you sense the warmth generated in your chest? See, this is part of our daily bread. And it's available to us at any moment, at any day, any moment of the day. I think doing this each day can help strengthen that pathway and increase those feelings of connection and contentment. Plus, practicing gratitude has been known to strengthen our relationships. It reverses that force I talked about at the beginning. Instead of feeling caught in a centripetal force that keeps us turned in on ourselves, gratitude, I believe, generates a centrifugal force, taking us beyond ourselves so that we're able to recognize more clearly the people around us and all the mutually shared gifts that we experience and enjoy together. And not only can this change our personal relationships, but it also affects our professional ones as well. People who practice gratitude feel more connected to their place of work. They feel more inspired and uplifted and have increased motivation to do a good job. It's like a superpower. <laughs> it's nothing short of miraculous. When it comes to gratitude, me always leads to we. Give us today our daily bread. May our gratitude lead us to a profound awareness of our connection. One, pray the Lord's Prayer each day. And when you get to that central petition, give us today our daily bread, pause and reflect on the miracle of interdependence required to receive these everyday gifts. And, and, and a practice that also kind of goes along with this is, is when you're eating. Uh, maybe when you pause to say grace before a meal or even when you're just kind of eating a snack, take a moment to really look closely at the provision in your hand. And again, recognize the myriad of factors that go into the miracle of what you're holding right there. How dependent you are on so many gifts and allow that to, to generate gratitude. And then lastly, try to spend some time each day thinking of and appreciating the people in your life. Allow yourself to really feel the gratitude of these relationships and activate that vagus nerve. So pray the Lord's Prayer. Pause when you're eating something to really see clearly how dependent you are on so much and spend some time each day thinking of and appreciating the people in your life. Amen.